Hello, this is Janet Gallen welcoming you to Love Letters Live. Today's guest is someone that I believe the entire country and their children and their grandchildren know, Alison Arngrim, who was, I know you've done a lot of work, a lot of work, different things, but would you say that you're most well known for being Nellie Olson? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I knew that was gonna happen, I mean, I always joked about the fact, you know, they buried Bella Lugosi in the Cape. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I realized, I get, it was probably about the third year of the show, we realized that we had a hit, that somehow this thing just, it just wasn't going away. And then after the show and the DVDs and everything else. And yes, yes, I'm absolutely, no matter what I do. And, and the same thing, I mean, Melissa Gilbert for the rest of her life, everyone will call her half pint. So yes. <laughs> I, I guess so. But you know, you, well, just to start a little farther back, just to tell you that I, of course, watched Little House with my daughters who are now, in, you know, 50, uh, they're older, they're almost your age. And it was just, it was just a ritual that would not be foregone for any reason whatsoever. And now my granddaughter who read the, the books first is now watching them on television. You Perfect. are- you are a constant in people's lives down the generations. Yeah. I want to know what you think of having put a living, important character on this earth. I, it, it is a huge honor. And I think, I mean, part of why Little House resonates, and still, after all these years, you know, it's gone in 140 countries. It's the unending. Really? Yes. As I say, it's like it's not like having been on a TV show in the '70s. It's like having been in the Wizard of Oz or something. It's just they hear the people over and over and over again. Right. And you got the fact that it was, you know, based on the books, based on real historical characters. So you have that generation read. You always will have generations reading the books, and right. then that ties to the show as well. But people have passed it on. They watch it with their kids. So it, we're on our like sixth, seventh generation of viewers. It just keeps going. And I think that's it. So knowing even at the time we were playing people had, who had walked the earth and been written about. Oh, in the so book. that's different. That, okay. So as that's, opposed to Fonzie you know, or Alex. Right. <laughs> but I have to admit, I, I Fonzied that. I Fonzied the heck out of that role because, <laughs> you know, when you read the books, okay. So yeah. Nellie appears in Walnut Grove. She didn't have that big a part. She has like two chapters really. But even then, people wrote to Laura Ingalls and said, we, we need more Nellie. What happened to Nellie? So she kind of fudged the numbers in Little Town on the Prairie. It was really a girl named Genevieve Masters. Nellie never moved to South Dakota, but she decided to take, Nellie also did this and this and this. So even she had to put more Nellie in. But when they started the show, they weren't sure how huge a character Nellie or the Olsons would be. There's really no Mrs. Olson in the books. It's just, you, they mentioned Nels Olson, they mentioned the children. Um, but Michael saw how the town could lend itself to being more okay, television so, friendly. Yeah. yeah. And so the character got incredible. But then I started playing her, and that was the thing is, is I would read, they would have something in the script, and I would say, okay, how far can I take this? And then I get more outrageous each week. Oh, so and, you were aware of that early on. I, yeah. I, I kind of want to ask about that because yeah. I'm one of the audience members who looks at a character and believes that's the real thing. Oh dear. <laughs> it would be a shock to me to know that Nellie Olson, there was an actress who played that. Nellie Olson wasn't her own standing. Um, 
Yes. So what was it that was so, you couldn't have had that story without Nellie Olson, not on television, you couldn't have. Right, right. What was so important about her to you? I think, well, absolutely, because here you had this family that was so nice. And it was the same reason that Laura wound up keep playing her up more than she was going to originally in the books, as people wanted that antagonist. And in the show, Michael saw very clearly, that's why instead of doing like the Ingalls out in Kansas, Little House, where he went with on the banks of Plum Creek for the basis because he had a town, you had a teacher and a store and a bank and a, you know, a mill, you had people and you, there was. Hi there, I think we just froze a little. I'm gonna wait till you come back. We might have to just start over. Assy and these okay. people, they all kind of went away. They were in the books, but TV-wise, nothing was happening with those characters. But I really went for it as Nellie, and well, I guess I made her kind of exciting. And suddenly it was more Nellie, more Nellie, and people really love Nellie. And okay, so who did, did she speak for? Well, I, mean, I know who she spoke for, all of us. There were the people who watched Little House and said, oh, it's a good show, but what? everybody's so nice. It's so icky, sicky, poo, saccharine. <laughs> Except when the Olsons are on. Then the Olsons are on. That Harriet and that Nellie. I'll watch when they're on. People love that. They like the spice. They like somebody there for Laura to fight with. It was. It made it exciting. Well, I think there's something more to it, being your audience member. I think that, you know, you talk about learning to live life as the prairie bitch. And she <laughs> was, she was, I don't, she wasn't an evil girl. I mean, Hannibal Lecter was evil. Nellie Olson was uncomfortable yeah <laughs> you know i don't i mean she was bratty but she wasn't evil she was bratty and i think that you could see that she was uncomfortable with something what do you think indeed i mean one of the references that had, had been in the book's original character of nelly saying you know my, my family's not from here my family's not from here we're from back east I think, and as a teenager playing the role, it was easy to say, well, if I lived in Walnut Grove, well, I'd be bored myself. Um, so that she was bored out of her mind. She really wished they lived in the big city. She didn't want to be in this boring little town. And obviously her mother, brilliant Catherine McGregor playing that character, was just so annoying and over the top. She couldn't stand her mother. Mother drove her crazy. Was and her mother adored her. Which right. you tell by the attention to those corkscrew curls. And that's but just the constant spoiling and the smothering. So yeah. yes, she was rebelling. She was just so mad and so disgusted with everyone. And you also, something that had happened kind of in the books and definitely played up in the show was Nellie was sort of ruling over the school. She was the rich, popular girl. And this Laura Ingalls shows up out of nowhere. And Laura, in real life, Laura was quite popular at school. Laura made friends and people people liked her and she was a natural leader so laura shows up and people like her and they want to play with games with her and they want her to say you know i think we should play ring around the rosie and they're going for this and nelly's head is exploding because why why did she she's poor she's not even rich she's poor look at that dress uh -huh. this, this girl from nowhere how dare she how so dare the very, the very thing she thought that she was competing for and to boot she meets the family and well laura's family is nice to her, her parents are perfect 
Laura's parents are absolutely perfect. They're so loving. They're so adorable. Her father, well, he's Pa Ingalls and Ma, and they're wonderful. And wouldn't Nellie have loved to have had a mother like Ma Ingalls or a father like Pa, not her parents? So I was going with jealous rage. <laughs> how, how did you know to do that? You started. You started this when you were twelve, right? This particular was that was that, was that your first acting job? No, I've been working. That's what's so funny. I've been working since I was like six, five, six years old. And I'd done commercials. I did a movie when I was 10. Where I and what was that? It was called Throw Out the Anchor. And I played a perfectly nice little girl. Um, in fact, people who've seen it, even who've seen clips going, how come you didn't play Laura? You're like a lovely little child. And this you could have been like, and I play a nice little girl. But the movie, it was, it was a very cheap, silly movie. It didn't go anywhere. It was about a family going to get a houseboat in Florida. And it was very silly. But I did that. But here's the kicker. I didn't I didn't work a lot after the movie. And you know, my father was my manager and he said, we thought you'd work more after the movie. You're not you're not booking anything. And, you know, and your, parent, your parents wanted you to work more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the whole family was in show business. Was considered yeah, I, you know, I just learned that recently. Why don't go back a little and talk about that? Because it, it was apparently a really significant show business family. Well, my mother was a voiceover. She was Casper the Friendly Ghost. She was Gumby. She was Sweet Polly Purebred, Underdog's Girlfriend. She was Davy of Davy and Goliath. She was everybody. She was this huge cartoon person. She was on, and you probably remember this, the first family album where they made fun of JFK and Jackie and the whole family. Oh, oh yes. And it, and it was huge. It was Vaughn Meter was the comedian at the time who did JFK. He was very big at the time. And it was this marvelous, hilarious album all about the Kennedys. It was a huge deal in, the, in you know. In the I, I do remember that actually. Well, my mother was Caroline and John John. She did the voices of the kids in the sketches. And it was huge. So she was in voiceover land. She was big. She was big. Was it, it was just always assumed by you. I mean, it was a natural thing that you would be ending up in this world for your career. Like everyone I knew was in show business, literally. And then my father. Step ahead. Yeah, my parents had met in the theater and then my father had become a manager and he actually worked for uh, Seymour Heller and Associates who managed Liberace and Debbie wow. Reynolds. And so it was showbiz and so he was managing me and he said you know many child actors do not work later they stop and they don't work till they're 18 or they never work again mm -hmm. and he was kind of preparing me that my career might be over and then it was did like, he do that with sympathy and understanding or was he yeah uh, a little bit he was very matter of fact he's like look I, as my daughter i want to prepare you for the worst but also as a client it could be over you're really not getting any work you know uh <laughs> so, you know the reality is don't get your hopes up because many people, this is it. They get, they work a bunch as a little kid and then they stop working. He said, and that's a reality. So just in case that could be it. And then I got little house, of course, a year later. So I've how, only, how did you understand at the age of 12? And I was trying to think yeah. if I would understand that also, I don't know. How did you understand what went into making Nellie Olson tick? How did you understand about meanness or about how did you understand about that kind of discomfort that you oh, yeah. could uh-huh well I mean I was I mean that was the thing so when I, got, I always say Little House was the comeback role that I technically had a whole career was washed up and that was the comeback um so in a way it was but yeah well I, I was quite you know I was an actress and I knew I knew I liked villains I knew from fantasy and reality because I knew my mom wasn't a talking ball of clay um or a ghost but the character, when I got there, and they hadn't told me anything. That was the funny thing. The audition, I didn't know. I got there, and as soon as I read the sides, I went, oh, she's, 
she's awful. <gasps> yeah. And that's when I found out she was mean. And I, I immediately, I just connected to it that she was this snob that she was grand. And what, what part of you connected to that? Do you know, or is that not relevant? I, I knew those people. I had been very mistreated as a child. I had been abused as a child. I had been bullied horribly at school. I was not really? that popular when I was little. And I yeah, knew from- something if it's not too personal. I mean, I also had some experience with bullies, yeah. but there's no accounting for what makes them tick, rotten as they are. But so, so the abuse as a child and the bullying, you just kept that inside? I did not talk about it, right? I didn't talk about any of that until I was an adult. Oh, really? and, but I knew, I knew what, I'd seen these people. I, I had been the Laura, I had been mistreated. And I knew like what it was like, these kind of people who could look at you in the way, the way that Nellie would talk and she'd want to sort of, drive the knife and there's an episode the music box where Nellie picks on the stuttering girl oh I, I call that the episode where even I hate me <laughs> <laughs> it's so mean it's so awful but I totally understood I understood it was like weird it was like being on the opposite side but when she's going I can't hear you say it faster and it's like oh yes ah, but I, I know that those are those are such good lessons for our children Oh, so I have, okay, so I have a thought that you yeah. can learn a lot of real compassion from seeing the ick. Yes, yes. And knowing that that's a bad way to behave, I guess. Were you aware of that? Uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things people say, but how come like in person, you're nice? <laughs> you're like really nice. And and even during the show, people used to say, it's so funny, you know, the girl who plays Nellie's like the nicest person here. I don't know. And yeah, I I understood. I understood cruelty. I understood cruelty. I had been the victim of cruelty. I knew what it looked like. I'd seen it up close. And, and you were an actress. And in acting it out and right. seeing it, I mean, the poor girl, Katie Kurtzman, the actress who played the stuttering girl, lovely actress, doesn't really stutter in real life, wonderful girl. And we became friends. But it was, for me, watching her crying and just, I was going, man, this is just, this is really awful. But I knew how it was done. I knew that awful cruelty. And it's the woman who took me to the set every day because my parents were all working. Auntie Marion had been painfully shy. And she understood what it was like to be shy. And she was a very kind, super compassionate woman who helped people all the time. So I had her sort of role model. And I understood that there were people who were shy, who, who, who stuttered, who were mistreated by people. And I absolutely felt terrible and wanted to help people, if anything. Sure. And I knew what it was to have someone treat you like dirt, like Nellie did. And you I just, I actually had in, in grammar school, um, she was actually a good friend, but a dangerous friend. <laughs> yes. For this reason of, and she had the corkscrew curls. She <sighs> had, and she was beautiful. She blue eyes. She was very, a very beautiful child. And her mother, I guess, paid her the kind of ruinous attention that Nellie Olson got paid. Couldn't yep. be perfect enough. And, and she harbored a lot of discomfort and expectations and she was nasty. Yeah. So you've seen it, you've seen it in action. You've seen it's it live. Not, I mean, now that we're talking, I, yes, yeah. And I think that's one of the things about the show. Everyone had someone like, everyone had a Nellie. At I their guess so. And everyone had a Mrs. Olson at their job or that they had to do business with. And so people knew, people went, ah, they'd watch a show and 
I've asked people from other countries when I say, why, why would Little House in the Prairie, it's so American, resonate with you in Sri Lanka or uh-huh. Borneo or Iraq? And they say, oh, no, the family, the English, they were poor. They had a lot of kids and lived in a tiny house and they were constantly almost going to make it and hardly ever had money. And then they had those awful people at the store, that rich lady at the store. And they're like, this is people's lives. This is how most people are living. We can yeah. identify. So, so the truth of the matter is, me too goes everywhere yeah everyone can identify with that yes and um i do have i do have another question well i read that you had done a production in all in french and i forget where that was my parents were ma and pa ingles and i feel better about my life people were really investing emotionally in this show and i think that's why it stuck around they really got into it what about did you grow up speaking french i read in something and by the way i try not to know too much before we talk because i like things to be fresh um but i did read that you did a performance was it a play that you did all in french very crazy i did not speak french as a child although my family are canadian i read Um, that if I'd been raised in Canada, I probably would have, because most, uh, but they were Western Canadian. Um, so unless right. you're in Vancouver, Western Canada, if you work at a bank or for the government, you speak French. But otherwise, so really? I did okay. French growing up. If I, you know, Central Canada or Eastern Canada, I would have. But, uh, but my, you know, like my my aunt and my mother, I think I forget how many languages. My aunt, I know, sang in eight languages. I remember oh well, that. okay. So you see that obviously at opera. Yeah, exactly. And my mom was an opera friend and they're Americans or my, yeah, uh-huh. my mother had a passing, you know, knowledge of Italian and German, et cetera. And French. She was an opera buff, but I didn't speak French and I took French in school and I was not really that good at it. I got through the days of the week and some things, but then I, I always wanted to go to France. I love the idea of France. I love French food. I like French this. I like French movies. I just did French everything. So I finally get this call to go to France. 40 years old, I finally like come to France. We're doing a talk show, come be there. And you know, I had the thing in my ear. They didn't expect me to speak French, but it was amazing because on the talk show, they started talking about Nellie. And one of them said, oh, Nellie was a child without a smile and how they sympathize. They poor Nellie, she couldn't help herself. Obviously she was jealous. And I thought this is pretty cool. So <laughs> I wind up going back and that's, I met this guy, um, Patrick Lubatier, and he's a writer and teacher uh, and a chess champion, you know, but he'd written a book about Little House. And we were talking and he said, after I'd met him a couple of times, he'd come out to LA, I'd come out to France, he said, we can do your comedy show, your stand-up show you do, we can do it. Yeah. But he said, I, he says, I have to rewrite the whole thing. He said, because you have jokes that don't make any sense. They don't translate. So we can take this part and this part work. This piece at the end totally works. This and joke also, here. So you know something else? And to be to yeah. be dramatic in another language. Yeah. To be funny in another language. You're asking for trouble. Yes. And so okay. he says, I, I said, really? He goes, well, we do, he do, he says, we do a show, we kind of break it up a little. He said, I'll come out and talk, sort of introduce you, explain why she's here, blah, 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 the American actress. And then we show like a little house clip. And then you come out and you tell like that first story from the beginning of your act, that's fine. That'll translate to French. You do that. Then we show another clip and then you get a rest. And then you come out we do, and we, and we work this thing out. So we do this show and it was crazy because I didn't really speak French. I just started learning. And he'd never done theater before. He's right here, but he'd never done. So suddenly he's on stage and I'm speaking French and he neither of us know what the heck we're doing. 
and it was a smash. People loved it. So we said, I guess we have to figure out what we're actually doing here. So we both learned how to do this. I went back to school. I learned to speak French properly. He figured out. I went, I went to Alliance de Francaise in Pasadena. Uh-huh. And he started learning like which end of the stage to stand on and got a little better. And he was pretty funny naturally, but then he like figured out, oh, that's where the, I go, that's where the joke is. Yes, there. Um, the thing became a hit. He wrote a second show. We did a Confession d'une Garce de la Prairie. And then he wrote a second show, Le Mal au Trésor de Nellie Olson, Nellie Olson's Trunk of Treasures. Uh-huh. So interactive with the audience. We take a trunk into the audience craziness um he's working on third show right now so i started doing this and then during these shows we got, the show started to catch on we got a call uh, we met this we met this guy on a talk show a director jean-pierre mokey who's a very famous director in france he just passed away just a couple years ago very big and i was on a talk show with him and we hit it off it was like chemistry and so patrick corners him and goes you've got to put her in one of your movies and then he did, he calls him back and goes, okay, I was doing this one movie, but none of the French actors wanted to even work with an American, let alone some ex-child star. But my next movie, I got this guy, he doesn't mind. He says, it'll be great. So she's in this movie. So I, next thing I know, I'm back in France and I did a movie completely in French. Good also a movie, yes. uh, with the famous Jean-Pierre Mocky with Jean-Francois Stevenin and a bunch of famous French actors. And it was the nuttiest thing I like ever done. And then I continued to do the show. So I have this whole basically second career. Wow. And and I I just got back from, I was there in January and February and had just gotten back and then the pandemic hit yeah. and I was scheduled to be there in September and October and unfortunately we just we had to cancel. So I have, I have a question that occurred to me earlier today and then I forgot about it but I have a friend who's an actor and we were talking years ago about something and he said he was playing he's a Jew playing a Nazi. Oh wow right yeah. oh yeah hello. Yeah. <laughs> yes hello and he said I, you know I said how do you how do you do that well? He said, you have to like your character in some way in order to, am I onto something? Oh yeah, yeah. So well, evidently there was something that, I'm not making any comparison between Nellie, God forbid, a minute. but, <laughs> but, just, no, I, but the I, I, idea I, of having to like an unlikable character. You, you, you ha- it's in acting, they talk about, you know, justification is always a term they throw in acting class that if you have something that your character is saying or doing and it feels weird, it's like, well, it won't come off as believable. You have to make up whatever story you need to make up to justify this thing that you're doing that you somehow believe that this is a totally reasonable thing to be saying and doing in this situation. And as much as, yes, I saw Nellie was obviously the villain of the piece and kind of, oh, ha ha, she's so terrible. And I did kind of enjoy like, what awful things am I going to do next? you had to like her. You had to, I had to, as an actress, believe that I was right. Oh, that, that, okay. That's justification. Yeah. That's, that's okay. different than like, she was a very likable character. You kind of like it, but that's because I made her right. If, if in my head as an actress, I was like, well, this is wrong. I had to, for that moment, believe that I was absolutely within my rights and it was the correct thing to do to be tormenting this stuttering girl and reduce her to tears. That I was supposed to be doing that. That's a hell of a jump. <laughs> and yeah. All these dreadful things. I had to be like, yes, of course, I'm going to tell Laura that her father smells because, you know, he does. That is really an interesting task. <laughs> I think the whole thing is, 
the whole business of acting, of course, is an interesting task, you know, to, to take on something that you're not. And and you mentioned you mentioned the, the Jewish man playing Nazi. Um, the guy the guy was the soup Nazi on uh, Seinfeld. Very nice man, lovely person. He also, in addition to playing a guy who was called a soup Nazi, um, played Saddam Hussein in oh. the film, and someone else, another uh, Middle Eastern terrorist person. And of course, he he his Jewish his mother his Jewish mother said, so first you got a job playing someone called the <laughs> Nazi. And now you're playing Saddam Hussein. And now you're playing, she's like, why? What is the problem? Can you not play just a nice Jewish man? What is wrong? <laughs> it's like, well, you, get, you get called for that role. I mean, it's not like you necessarily go after it. No, he said they would always call very dark and swarthy. He said, constantly trying to explain to my poor Jewish mother why I was playing these parts. It's been very yeah. difficult. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so this hap this happens a lot, um, and and he pl has played many villainous sort of unpleasant people, and these are the loveliest people you could meet. Um, yeah, you when in playing Nelly, and I I also did a play a few years ago where I played an extremely objectionable woman. Um, but you have to at some point in the character you have to say, yep, yep, you the thing it, that I'm doing. Take it on, yeah. So Laura is Laura is a terrible person, and she deserves what I'm doing to her. Yes. So you have to be able to take it on and be comfortable with the, you know, icky. I have a question to ask you about. Um, I, I know that you're busy in the daytimes, I understand from Harlan, that you're reading to children. Oh, to, to, to the, apparently the world, the number of adults who are tuning in. Um, what started with, literally, I didn't know what to do in, in March when this hit. I was supposed to go to France. I was supposed to go to Ireland. Mm -hmm. um, I was. I had a multiple. There were autograph shows. There was my stand-up show I was doing in New York in May. I was book solid really through October, and all of that went poof in a puff of smoke on March 13th. So there I am sitting on the floor going, and I have no job and I don't know where I'm going. Oh, and I also had all my merchandise. I had all my 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 bonnets and my books and my autographable pictures and things. You were bonnets. Yes, I have lovely books because I was ready to go on all these autograph shows. Oh, oh for you to wear as your oh, oh, oh. No, people people oh. love them. I autograph them and they get them. And I had books and autograph pictures, all my merchandise. And I thought, what am I going to do? I'm so this is awful. And um, my husband, of course, is still working. He got his job involves construction and infrastructure. It's a whole thing down at the airport. So he was like essential employee. So he's like, hey, I'm still going to work tomorrow. Yes. Okay. Great. And I said, well, what am I going to do? And he said, you'll think of something. I said, oh, great. So then I said, I, thought, I don't know what to do. But then I thought, well, wait, I got to come up with something to do. And not even thinking of going online, I said, I'm going to go back and reread the Little House on the Prairie books. I hadn't read them in ages. I'd read uh -huh. them, but hadn't read them in years. And I thought, you know what? I the sound just disappeared. Your sound disappeared. People trying to talk to me, that's why. Wait, here. Can you hear me now as they say? Yes, ma'am, I can, okay. Why am I muted? Hold on. No, I shouldn't be muted. No, no, I can't you're good now, you're good for now. a second. I don't know why it, not. That's okay. Hello? Can you hear me? No. Yes, I can hear you. Now I can't hear you. Oh, there you are again. I can hear you now. Sorry, that was weird. Okay, that's okay. Listen, we're at the mercy of, you know, new technology, so. Internet goes bonk. But yeah, I, I I wasn't sure. I said, I'll reread the books. I haven't read them in years. And I'll start with Little House in the Big Woods and read them in order and see how the characters develop, how like Nellie shows up and how- but To Laura whom were you reading them? 
Hmm? To whom are you reading them? Well, initially, I was seriously going to sit home and just read them myself. And then I thought, well, everybody else is stuck at home. I'll go on Facebook Live. Oh, how nice. I'll say, hey, I'm going to read a book, anybody. Because I saw my friends were starting to go on Facebook and going. And some of them were just saying, hi, is anyone there? This is my, like, you know, quarantine diary. Sometimes they were just depressed and going, I didn't talk to anyone. And then I saw, like, um, Patrick Stewart was reading Shakespeare sonnets. And I thought, what? Oh, I'll go. So, and of course I thought, well, I've got the bonnets too. So I would pick a so bonnet. We can, all, we can all tune in and listen to you do this. Every, every day at one thirty. what I would do is I would usually pick a bonnet that like went with whatever, you know, shirt. Yes. I and I'd put on my bonnet and I get the camera all set up like this and I have snacks and I started reading the books and I said, chapter one, page and people tuned in in droves. They kept going back. It was thousands and thousands of views. I was like, what? Tell us how to do that. Tell us how to tune in. Go to uh, Facebook, go to my page, Allison Argram. I've set it up so you can just hit follow, even because you can only have so many friends. You follow and just set to public. And at 1.30 every day, I got a book and a bonnet. Um, currently, I'm reading, <laughs> I got through all the books. I read all all nine books. And then I kept going. I started reading like historical things about Laura. I'm reading the um, Pioneer Girl, which is Laura's real autobiography that she oh. This is wonderful. So you're just getting to educate and educate. and We're doing history lessons. We're reading this stuff about the real Laura. And I do it every day. And people went nuts. I mean, we're talking 40,000 people and stuff. Watching. I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and they went mad. And then, of course, I started, people called and said, well, we know you can't do the club stand-up. Would you like to do your stand-up show as a pay-per-view online? You do it out of your living room. Oh, I guess I could do that. And now, one thing after another... I just finished, I did my Halloween show. So you're um, I, again, right. and there's no, no limits. Yeah, I now I'm working like crazy. I have all these shows and things and I do, oh, I do the cameo thing. I do a thing called Coach the World. I'm doing, I did a women's conference in Ireland, the thing I couldn't go to. Yeah. Well, they did it online and I did well, my- Isn't it just a miracle what we can do? Well, yeah. let me ask you something because I am about love letters. Yes, yes. Do and, you know, writing them and I always, every one of life's experiences- whether it's good or terrible, has within it the seeds of a love letter to someone. <laughs> yeah, yes. Even if it's to yourself for having survived something, you know. Um, but you must have a boatload of letters that people have written you. The letters, the emails, the Facebook messages, etc. Well, I'm talking about just actual letters where right. you can see children's handwriting and. Oh yes, people write. Um, when they write to the 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 hard copy letters, what we do here when I get fan mail is my husband. We 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 do staged readings. I sit on the couch and oh. he opens. Today's letter is from, and sometimes they're quite funny. Sometimes like maybe they're from Japan and they use Google translate to try to write in English and it's not quite working and it's kind of hilarious. So he'll get him. He will do a stage reading of the letter and we'll go, yes, that's very good. Okay. And then we, you know, get yeah. him a picture or what have you. Yes. Isn't that, isn't that a wonderful thing really to get letters? It is. And I do, I get beautiful things from children. I just got a gift uh, thing. People make stuff. That's the big thing that everyone's making things and sending. For you? This, this quilt on the chair, this woman made this quilt and sent wow. this to Beautiful, beautiful things. And some are little things kids made and some are just gorgeous, huge art things grownups made. Oh, that's because that's because you are part of all our families. Yes. So my, my daughter, when I mentioned that we were going to be talking, she said, and she's 51. She said, please give her my love. Oh, well, send her my love. There, right? Who doesn't? I want to thank you for doing this with me. Thank so you. Many, so thank many you. questions answered. 
things I've been curious about. And you are just one of the loveliest women around. It's a miracle that you could play that little brat. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, dear. But I enjoyed, I enjoyed it because it was also so many times as I, I've talked about when you're a child actor, they want you to play, to be perfect, to play a sweet little girl and be like, right. yeah. almost a little too good. Like, who's that good all the time? Who's all, and here I was playing someone who was in a bad mood, who wasn't that good. And I thought, well, yeah. sort of what, a relief, what a relief. Freeing. Yes. And to, to let it all out, all the angst, it was kind of fun. And yeah, now sure. it's also fun because it's fair every day. It's it's hilarious. I find I laugh and people because people every day say so. Oh, you were hurt. Oh, I just hated you. Oh, I just oh, I love so it's hilarious. Yeah. And the things people say to me and then like no, actually I'm relatively nice. Hi, how are you? It's and it's a daily occurrence. And it's because it's, because right. that's I mean that's a tribute to how good you are that people really do believe that is you. Sure. And, and I'm able to play on because the character of Nellie was also sort of funny because she was foolish in many ways. And that's been really fun. If I'd played a very, very serious character, or if I'd been super nice, I don't think I'd be able to have quite as much fun with it as I'm having with it now. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, thank you. You've put you've put somebody very important on the Earth's landscape. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. So I'm just going to tell you goodbye for now. If there's okay. anything you want to do or talk about and you feel like coming back, you let me know. I shall. Thank you. Yeah. Until next time, I will just say to everybody, goodbye for now for love letters. And mwah. Mwah. Bye. thank you so much.